Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, as we talk about uh, this day of human, of uh, the sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we need to speak up. And the church has been quiet too long. Our texts all talk about that, about us standing up and making a voice and, and being that representative of God on earth. And so we read from our text, having had from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of the imperishable seed living through the living through the living and the abiding word of god for all flesh is grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower fails but the word of the lord remains forever dear friends of christ the world today is all about self love and when you think about self love you have all kinds of ideas but self-love is nothing more than selfishness. Self-love is nothing more than self-centeredness, self-concern. And I did a Google search for self-love, and these are the synonyms that I got. Conceit, narcissism, and vanity. And those are the things that the world clings to, that the world's about me, and people have to make me happy. Self-love. These are the things of which our world clings, and more and more our world, is, our society is becoming a godless society that loves themselves more and more than we love other people in society, and we cling to our own vainglory, our own successes, our own beauty, our own pride. More and more we cling to this godless nature as we claim ourselves to be more important more important even than anything else in the universe, as though we were the center of that universe. Self-love has ushered in a multitude of sins because self-love encourages us to love ourselves more than we love God. And you'll find that in our schools where the kids are learning to love themselves more than they love God. In fact, God's not mentioned. Our kids are just told to love yourself. Love yourself. Self-love breaks the first commandment. To love God first above all things. Matter of fact, self-love, because of its very nature, being self-love, will break all of God's commandments. I want to do what I want to do. Self-love enthusiasts will say that. Self-love enthusiasts will say, I'm going to do what makes me feel happy about myself. And again, this is what we're teaching our kids in our schools. It's my choice. It's my body. Well, where have we heard that mantra before? It's my body. It's my choice. Of course, that issue of abortion, isn't it? Listen, you don't have to be an expert to see how far society has fallen morally since the Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973. Society has crumbled in our understanding of selfless love. The decision for self-love was made expressible by that decision. The decision of self-love expressible 
was made expressible at the cost of the unborn life. Women can now love themselves more than they love the baby in their womb. And so the sin of self-love can kill. It, it's like that show on the History Channel, maybe you've seen it, Forged in Fire, where uh, you know, metal smiths come together and they pound out metal and they turn their metal into a sword. And then the sword goes through all kinds of rigors. And finally, they, they take it to a, 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 a torso that's made of, uh, you know, uh, gel, and, and then they slice it. And then what the contestants want to hear is that the judge holds up their sword and says, this sword will kill. And then they smile. And that's what self-love does. There is a, a movie titled Fatal Attraction. Um, maybe you remember it back in 1998. Michael Douglas, uh, a man and a woman, were married and they loved each other. Um, however, when that love was not expressed in ways that made either of them satisfied, the wife didn't think that her husband was loving her the right way and the husband didn't feel like the wife was loving him the right way. Well, again, their love became fatal. Eventually, they kill each other out of the love for themselves and they die holding hands. Uh, the intended purpose of the movie, I think, is simple. Love kills. Love kills. Is that the message we want? I would say self-love kills. Selfless love gives life. Self-love kills. Hollywood doesn't get it, neither do people who are naive enough to listen to Hollywood rather than to listening to God. Our self-love story, well, it began a long time ago. It began when Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit and they determined that they were going to love themselves more than they loved God and they were going to take His place and be like God. And so Adam clearly said, it's my body, it's my choice. No, Adam, it's not. No, Eve, it's not. It wasn't true back then, it's still not true today. And how desperately we need God to come and convert our souls and convert our hearts so that we might see the selfless love of Christ, that we might see the selfless nature of God. And it's that selfless love that conquers. And so we consider our theme for this morning, Christ selfless love. You know, when I went to seminary to become a pastor, uh, we spend four years studying theology. Theology is a study of God. And we become theologians. And so you begin to look at everything in society and dissect it theologically. And it was quite disconcerting, but one of the favorite things that we would do is sit around at coffee break around a table, uh, drinking coffee and dissecting movies. And we dissect the movie theologically. What, did the, what was the theological meaning of that movie? For example, like Star Wars. Um, May the force be with you. And of course we say, oh, that's Christian. The force is Jesus. No, no, it's not. Jesus. The force is the good and then 
the other force is the evil, and really what we find out, especially if you study the last Star Wars movie, is that all evil and good are kind of blended into one, and evil isn't worse than good, it's just different, and good isn't better than evil, it's just different. It's a different perspective. False religion get, gets love confused too. And so let's consider the movie Avatar. In that movie, a hero is a quadriplegic. He can't walk in, in our world, in the world of, of, of uh, the earth. But a machine can change this man into an avatar. And as an avatar, he's able to take on a new body and enter this new world and live among the native people. And they look like, he looks like them, he talks like them, and he acts like them. And even communicate with them. And in the end, the avatar becomes their hero and saves their planet. The interesting thing happens when you look up Hinduism and avatar. So do that. Go home and look up Hinduism and avatar on Google. And this is what I found. In Hinduism, an avatar is a deliberate descent of a deity to earth. In Hinduism, an avatar is a descent a deliberate descent of a deity to earth or a descent of some supreme being like Vishnu, which is their powerful god. Avatar is mostly translated into English as incarnation, sound familiar, or more accurately as appearance or manifestation. So love happens when God comes to earth. Well, God's son came to earth. And we celebrate His incarnation at Christmas. And we celebrate His coming in the season of Epiphany. And we celebrate His manifestation, His revealing Himself in this season of Epiphany. His appearing, His incarnation as He becomes one of us. But Christ did not come to fulfill self-love, did He? He didn't come to love Himself. He, come to, he came to love selflessly. Selfless love. He came to seek and save that which is lost. The Son of Man did not come, Scripture says, to be served, but to serve. Selfless service and to give His life as a ransom for many. As Christians, this is our theology. This is what we focus on. This is who God is. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have Zoe, everlasting joy, everlasting life. Now, God loves life. We talked about it last week. Zoe life. Fulfilled, eternal life. And He gives us that Zoe, eternal life, through sacrifice. Through selflessness. Through a selfless act as he suffered and died on the cross that we might live. Don't you see, on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we celebrate life that God gives to all people. Life is an issue of God. It's a very important issue of God. And we don't lift up the theology of self-love. Matter of fact, that should not even self-love should not even be in the vocabulary of the church. God is always flipping things upside down and making what we think should be right wrong. He says the last will be first and the first will be last. Selfless love. 
It's the opposite of self-love. And that's what Paul meant when he said in Romans, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the thinking of this world with with, with self-love, but be transformed with the renewing of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace, the undeserved love of God that has been given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. Selfless love. Self-love is Satan's gig. Self-love is the devil's thing. He wanted to be God. Remember that? He wanted to take God's place. In fact, he tried to kill God. When he put Jesus on the cross, Satan tried to destroy the Son of God. But self-love doesn't work. Self-love is not victorious. Self-love does not win, and neither can it. In fact, self-love always ends in death. And that's what we see, isn't it? All, in all these life and death issues that we as a society have to face, all the life and death issues, how are you going to deal with grandpa or grandma who are growing older? How do, we, how do we determine how they're going to die? And rather than cherishing life, what do we do? We do what is convenient. We do what is, is, goes according to our self-love. We can't afford to lose their estate, so let's just withhold water and food. Grandpa and Grandma will disappear, and we won't have such a heavy cost burden. What's con- self-love determines what we think about the issue of abortion. People who support abortion believe that they support it because women have the right to self-love. Women have the right, it's my body, it's my choice. And she should be able to decide if her daughter, if her child in her womb lives or not. We see how Christ's selfless love gave life. We see how Christ's selfless love conquered sin and death. We see him rise in victory over the grave. But have you ever seen self-love win? Have you ever seen self-love parade itself around? It isn't pretty. False religion gets love wrong. Love ends in death. Hollywood gets love wrong. They extol the virtues of self-love. And the world agrees love is good as long as it's my love. And my love is expressing itself my way. And as long as it's my love and not someone else's love imposed upon me. Love is good as long as it's your self-love expressing vengeance or your self-love expressing murder. Then it's okay. Self-love is good as long as the results of that self-love flow from a personal choice you've made. But the world's wrong. God tells us that self-love violates His holiness. Listen to these words from Peter. As obedient children of God, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived as unbelievers in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, you now be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then Peter says, live your lives as strangers here on earth in reverent fear. 
For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, that you were saved from this empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers. Or we could say this way of self-love that was delivered to you from your ancestors, this empty way of self-living. But you were redeemed with a selfless act. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a Lamb of God without blemish. So how are you redeemed? You're redeemed by Christ's blood. And that selfless act of suffering and death for your sins overwhelmed your self-love, that sin within you of self-love and selfishness. His blood covers a multitude of sins. There is no sin that Christ's blood cannot cover. There is no sin that Christ's blood cannot forgive, including the sin of abortion. Listen to this story told by a pastor. It's about a young teenager in his congregation who got pregnant out of of wedlock. Her boyfriend and her father convinced her that she needed to get an abortion. After the abortion, when the girl came home, her father said, You're grounded? Go to your room. And that was the last time they talked about it. It became the silent secret of the family. No one talked about it. There was too much shame. The whole issue had too much pain. However, even though the abortion remained quiet, it did not remain quiet in the girl's soul. She longed for the life of her child. And she felt the guilt of God laying heavily upon her. Eventually she grew up and she had a family of her own, children of her own. And of course, then she would go to church. And every year on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, she'd sit in the pew and she'd have to listen to the pastor expose her sin, her secret sin. And she'd be torn all over with guilt, ripping at her soul. And she hated this Sunday. The Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And the pastor would call it sin. In fact, the pastor would call abortion murder. But he would also talk about the selfless love of Christ. He would also talk about the grace and mercy of Christ who forgives sins even of, even of, the, of adulterers, even of murderers, even of those who fell into the sin of abortion. But she didn't feel forgiven. Finally, after many years of listening to pastor do sermons on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, she finally decided to make appointment to see him. She went to her pastor and she confessed her sin. Then she heard her pastor say these words, Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Christ's selfless act on the cross forgives every sin. Hers too. But it took her decades for her to be able to realize that. To get past that brokenness that was in her heart and brokenness that was in her life for that thing that she chose to do. Jesus earned forgiveness for her on the cross. That unconditional love of God was there for her too. 
Yes, that's sin and every sin, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Deliverance doesn't come from self-love. Victory doesn't come from self-love. Deliverance can't come from me, myself, and I, and what I can do for my life, and how I will rise above all things. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And because I live, you also will live. Living in the Word can be greatly disappointing. Living in the Word of God can cause you to live your greatest, most deepest disappointments. Living in the Word of God can cause your secret sins to be exposed. Those deadly secrets. But God covers those secret sins with His blood and makes you whole. And He purifies them with His selfless love, with His selfless sacrifice, so that every man and every woman who has been touched by the sin of abortion can know and find a gracious God. The cross is proof And the empty tomb is, as Scripture says in Ephesians, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Selfless love wins. Selfless love works. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.